I'm speaking to you because I cannot leave my house. If I could leave my house, maybe I would think of other things to do, but I can't leave my house. Probably won't be able to leave my house socially for a few weeks at minimum. Could be more. Outside my door is a virus. No one knows exactly where it is, but if you get it, you might have to go to the hospital. A bunch of people got it in Italy. So many people went to the hospital that they couldn't treat them. Now a bunch of them are dead. A lot of people are dead. Over 7,000 people worldwide. And that number will probably seem quaint by the time you hear this. Outside my door is pain. The precautions being taken by the people in charge are probably the right course of action, but it also puts hundreds of thousands of people out of work. Even if you never get the virus, you're already hurt. And so, sitting on my roof, and I'm thinking about the world. And almost as a reflex, one face peeks out from a fold in the existential dread. Just couldn't fall till we met. It had to be you. Billy Crystal. It had to be you. You ever think about death? Yes. Sure you do. A fleeting thought that drifts in and out of the transom of your mind. I spend hours, I spend days. And you think this makes you a better person? Look, when a shit comes down, I'm gonna be prepared, and you're not, that's all I'm saying. In the meantime, you're gonna ruin your whole life waiting for it. Could make me be true. As a boy growing up in the 90s, there was one constant in the movies. Billy Crystal was starring in a film that would probably be safe for me to watch, but also somebody might say the F word. These were the movies that my mom would rent for me and my brother at Blockbuster. These are the movies that eventually my grandma would take me and my brother to during school days off. It's where I learned to love popcorn. My grandma would get one bag of popcorn for me and my brother. And because I am intensely selfish, I would oversalt the popcorn knowing that my brother would eventually hate the taste of it and I would get the whole bag to myself. These are the memories that Billy Crystal evokes in my head. He was neurotic. He was confident. He would get the girl. It's a seductive simplicity that only nostalgia plus show business can truly provide. But considering where we are right now, I think we all need a 
bit of a warm blanket. From 1989 to 2001, Billy Crystal starred in 10 movies, and now, as I am unable to leave my house, I'm going to watch all of them. I'm going to discuss them with you. And yet, because even doing a comfort movie review podcast, I can't keep my eye off of what's happening in the world around me, I also... I'm going to try to make myself and hopefully you feel better by reminding us all that while these are trying times, they are not the only trying times. I can look back nostalgically at Billy Crystal movies, but I can also remember that these were the good memories that survived dark times. And so I'll be explaining just how dark things were around the release of this movie. This is Crystal. It's March 2020. My name is Justin Robert Young, and this episode is about when Harry met Sally. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. It had to be you. On April 15, 1989, Hugh Yao Bang died of a heart attack. He had recently resigned under pressure as the General Secretary of the People's Republic of China. Hugh Yao Bang had tried to use his position as General Secretary to create reforms within the country so as to channel the energy of the student protests that were currently gaining steam. Now with him dead, many of the protesters felt that he had been eliminated by the government. This led to hunger strikes. And then, in May, a mass revolt of many, many students from across the country led to one central pressure point. Beijing's Tiananmen Square, where the largest student protest was centered. On May 20th, martial law is declared. On June 1st, Premier Li Peng issues a report titled On the True Nature of the Turmoil, which is circulated to every member of the Politburo. It says that the protesters, the students in Tiananmen Square, are indeed terrorists and counter-revolutionaries and need to be cleared out so order can be restored to the capital. Deng Xiaoping the head of the Central Military Commission agrees. And so, on June 4th, the protesters are cleared out with force. Military streams into Tiananmen Square, beats them with clubs, shoots them with guns, and stabs them with bayonets. Famously, a man whose identity to this day is not known steps in front of a column of tanks moving to the left and to the right to block their path, forcing them to run him over should they join the military cause. Over the months of buildup and the days of action, 
an unknown number of hundreds, maybe thousands, of people died at the hands of their own government. In July of 1989, When Harry Met Sally is released, directed and produced by Rob Reiner, written by Nora Ephron, and starring Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, and Bruno Kirby. It features a soundtrack by Harry Connick Jr. and his trio. It cost $16 million to make and grossed 928 million dollars at the box office. The canonical rom-com is really something to behold, even rewatching it in 2020. Efficient in ways that other movies are not, When Harry Met Sally is a true accomplishment. It knows men and women and their differences, and yet dovetails it all into our common goal, which is to be loved, to be understood. Billy Crystal's character of Harry Burns is very instructive for those who grew up college nihilist edgelords. He's lonely, he lashes out, he covers up his character flaws through over-intellectualism and humorous diversions. Meg Ryan's character of Sally is defensive in other ways. She puts up her walls early as opposed to later. She's somebody that is neurotic, much in the way that Tina Fey's Liz Lemon was, and yet she never succumbs to the hot mess syndrome in that she is not fatally flawed in some way because she's a career woman. She is, more relatably I would guess, just unsure of the world around her and waiting for life to present itself. You can tell immediately why When Harry Met Sally is an important movie in the genre because it treats its characters and love itself very seriously. In fact, it effectively ditches all other plot or story elements that don't directly relate to this central point. Picking up in various places in time over the decade plus that the story unfolds, fly on the wall moments, decision gates, that ultimately affect our characters' love for each other. I have to say that as somebody in their late 30s, I can appreciate really the entire scope. While assuredly people in their 20s and younger then and now can only hope that even when things get tough, eventually they're going to get what they deserve. At one point, they do tell a joke about Ethiopia that would never, ever, 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 ever be done in a movie in 2020. She's a very nice person. And we're sitting and we're talking in this Ethiopian restaurant that she wanted to go to. And I was making jokes, you know, like, hey, I didn't know that they had food in Ethiopia. This will be a quick meal. I'll order two empty plates and we can leave. <laughs> yeah, nothing from her, not even a smile. 
When Harry Met Sally is important because it tells the story of people breaking down walls slowly, awkwardly, and in the shame of modern society. In really the only side plot of the movie, perpetual other woman Marie, played by Carrie Fisher, and man-child Jess find each other, get together, and get married before our two clearly in love main characters can get over themselves. And yet, as we know, it is the most normal path. The path to growth is pain. The ultimate salvation we get, either in a relationship or in business or in life, is because of growth and pain. I can't help but watch When Harry Met Sally and look at it on some level as a reaction to some of the Woody Allen comedies, where the male protagonist, not unlike Harry Burns, is a bespectacled penis looking to hump his way out of problems. The difference here is that Harry Burns is afraid and terrified, and yet he still marches forward, not looking for salvation through his own neuroses. Quite the opposite. It's his survival instincts that are killing him. And this is what draws him like a moth to a flame to Sally. He knows internally that his pursuance of a relationship will ruin their friendship, the greatest friendship he's ever had. And so while he rejects his own happiness, he can crown himself the hero. And yet our final lesson is that there are no heroics in self-flagellation, and the sacrifice that he makes toward the goal is ultimately his fear of his own emotions, his over-intellectualizations are the only things separating himself from happiness. It is a gift of self-discovery that allows him to discover true Love. Missed the Saturday dance. Heard they crowded the floor. Couldn't bear it without you. Don't get around much anymore. Thought I'd visit the club. Got as far as the door They'd have asked me about you Don't get around much anymore Darling, I guess My mind's more at ease But nevertheless Why stir up memories Been invited on dates Might have gone, but what for? Awfully different On March 24th, 1989, the Exxon Valdez 
crashed into the Prince William Sound in Alaska. The ship was carrying 5.31 million gallons of oil. Of that, nearly 11 million gallons were emptied into the waters. It was alleged that Captain Joseph Hazelwood had gotten tremendously drunk the night before and therefore was not at the controls because he was either still intoxicated or nursing a hangover. Indeed, it was the third mate who was at the helm when the accident happened. However, after the trial cleared Hazelwood of any culpability, it was revealed that the Raycas radar the Raytheon Collision Avoidance System was not turned on because it was broken and deemed by Exxon too expensive to fix and operate. The damage is still considered the worst oil spill worldwide in terms of damage to the environment. I forgot. You're a man. What was that supposed to mean? Nothing. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. You don't think that I could tell a difference? No. Get out of here. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Are you okay? Oh. what she's having. The famous scene in Cat's Deli was added because the film initially focused too much on Harry and needed something for Sally to do. It was Meg Ryan herself who suggested that she fake the orgasm when the subject was initially brought up, and it is Rob Reiner's mother who delivers the famous I'll have what she's having. The basis of the film itself began when Rob Reiner, producer Andy Scheinman, and writer Nora Ephron decided that they would do a project where a man and a woman would become friends but not have sex because they knew it would ruin the friendship, and then they have sex anyway. The initial script had both Harry and Sally not getting together. They would remain friends because all the principals agreed that that was the more realistic outcome, the true ending, as Reiner and Efron agreed. They thankfully realized that 
the movie's a lot better if they get together at the end. Especially considering all the interstitials of all these old couples talking about how they met, it would feel a little weird if at the end our main people didn't get together. Initially, although Crystal was always going to be the Harry, there were many different Sallys. Susan Day was uh, considered, as well as Elizabeth Perkins, Elizabeth McGovern, Molly Ringwald, before Meg Ryan convinced Reiner to cast her. The reason why Crystal always had the role was because he was a friend of Rob Reiner, who had recently become a divorcee like the main character Harry when he got divorced from Penny Marshall. So Crystal had lived the world that this character would inhabit in, and that's what comes out on screen. The commercial success of the movie, however, was anything but assured. This is a July release, which means it's coming out during a lot of other summer blockbusters when that was the the heyday of that. Remember, Star Wars is only in 1977, so we have a decade worth of big-time popcorn movies up to and including Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Batman that comes out the same summer. However, Studio Columbia Pictures smartly released this in the platform strategy. It's what you might know as the uh, out in New York and L.A. select cities strategy. So it rolled it out slowly. It got word of mouth. And eventually anyone who didn't want to see an action-adventure movie realized that it was there in theaters waiting. 1,174 theaters was the high point of its release. As I record this on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 90% tomatometer with 89% audience rating on 395,920 reviews. This has been Crystal. I'm Justin Robert Young. Please socially distance yourself. Next time, City Slickers. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 